So a little bit of review. We looked uh, at, at this guy named Publius. His father was healed. He was a super connector. He was a leading person on this, the island of Malta, where, as we all know, Maltese dogs come from, Opie, Beatrice, etc. Maybe you're a Maltese dog. And Paul was there 2,000 years ago, and this guy named Publius and his father, there were miracles that were done. Let's just pick it up at verse 9. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. Paul has this healing campaign as a result of a shipwreck of all things that got him to this place. God had promised him, you're going to get to Rome. But he never saw it in this way, his getting to Rome. Shipwreck, trouble, 14-day storm, etc. Just, just incredible, the journey. The journey was incredible. Verse 10, they also honored us in many ways. And when we departed, they provided each thing, uh, such things as were necessary. So God prepared a raven to feed Elijah, a fish for Jonah. And we see where God had prepared these people on the island of Malta. Not only he blessed them, but they prepared this crew for the rest of the journey trying to get to Rome. So let's pick it up in verse 11. After three months, we sailed in an Alexandrian ship whose figurehead was the twin brothers which had wintered at the island. Now, this puts our timeline somewhere around February. They had wintered on Malta. They were setting sail as soon as possible. And so we're probably around February. It would be early, but it would be the earliest possible time they could go. This is an African or an Egyptian ship. It's from Alexandria. It's probably a corn ship. Not a corn chip, but a corn ship, right? And it's uh, possibly wheat that it has on board, but it would serve as their transport to Rome. So this is uh, a couple of hundred prisoners and some Roman uh, soldiers and a centurion named Julian. The ship had two Greek Roman deities or demigods on it, the twins, the twin sons of Zeus and Leda. The story varies through mythology. Their names were Castor and Pollux. These are the names of the two brightest stars in the constellation Gemini, or the twins. Castor and Pollux were seen as guardians and protectors of seagoing people, seafaring travelers. They would bring good luck to sailors. So St. Cyril of Alexandria says that shipbuilders would put an image of Castor on one side of the bow and Pollux on the other side. And it would uh, be seen as bringing good luck to their voyage. And, un, you know, it's not unlike, it's a little different, but not unlike, you know, people have like St. Christopher, little medallions or whatever in their cars, traveling mercies, etc. It's interesting that Luke mentions these good luck images. I mean, why did he even mention it? I guess they stood out to him. Maybe they were on the other vessel as well. I do know this, though. The other vessel was shipwrecked and destroyed. So maybe it was just his sense of humor. Maybe he's making fun. Maybe he's making a statement. 
wasn't so much a good luck charm on the previous voyage, but we do know from the scripture, we've looked at it, that the Lord himself and the holy angels of God kept that vessel uh, not from falling apart, but kept the people on board alive to where they all survived. 200 and some odd people survived, and, and so it was God that was involved there. I think it's interesting that Paul also uh, was not, you know, he didn't get hoity-toity. Say, uh, he didn't say, I, uh, I'm not going to get on this ship that has these, these Greek false gods on the front of it, you superstitious morons. Don't you understand? There's only one true and living God. And I refuse to say unless you saw off those Gemini twins. I don't believe in that stuff, you know. He didn't do that. That would have been quite offensive. He just got on board, right? He didn't say, you're all carnal. This is demons behind all this, you bunch of rascals. Rather, he decided, I'm going to get to my destination. I'm going to get on this vessel. It's bedecked with false gods, but that's okay. God is with me. These superstitious sailors and all, they've seen the hand of God. They can't deny it. Just we're going to sail on anyway. I like that. Verse 12. And landing at Syracuse, we stayed three days. So let's kind of pick it up there. They, they sail north from Malta. I should have put a map up there. They sail north from Malta to Syracuse. This is the capital city of the island of Sicily. It's also the hometown of the famous mathematician Archimedes. They stayed there three days. Then verse 13, from there we circled around and reached Regium. And after one day, the south wind blew and the next day we came to Pudioli. Regium's the tip of the toe on the Italian peninsula between Sicily and Italy. The other place, Pudioli, had an awesome harbor in the Gulf of Naples, and it served as the main harbor for Rome at one time, even though Rome was about 200, year, uh, 200 miles away, 200 miles north. It was also a major center of commerce because of that, serving traders from the African continent, Asia, the east, it also had a considerable population with an amphitheater that alone could seat 60,000 people. Not a small town. Verse 14, when we found brethren and, they, uh, and were invited to stay with them seven days, we found brethren, were invited to stay with them seven days, and so we went toward Rome. These are Christian brethren, and the gospel had spread even to this, to this point. And this is a little prior to 60 A.D. Let's look at verse 15. And from there, when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us as far as Appi Forum and three inns. When Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. This was a big encouragement to Paul. Now, Appi Forum was like a post office. It's 43 miles south of Rome. It was a common stopover. It was like a truck stop. It was like big bosses out here at the Livingston Frost exit. If you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about? The big Frost, uh, the Livingston Frost big boss truck stop that has the world's largest Pac-Man machine. We get out there every chance we can, man. They got the crispy crunchy. They got fried okra, right? They got fried fish. They got fried chicken. They got all kinds of stuff. We like to go to the big bosses. Well, that's kind of what the Appy Forum was. Like a big truck stop. It was known for its notorious, though, dubious innkeepers, this three taverns business, 
boatmen, marshes, frogs, sounds like Louisiana, had bad drinking water. Yeah, we know about that. And, and these Roman Christians were so excited when they found out that the Apostle Paul was entering into their dominion, into their realm, that they traveled 43 miles to meet him and escort him back to Rome like a conquering hero to kind of make it a parade. Paul had never been there, but Paul had written to these believers some three years earlier. And, And I love it when you start looking at the letter that he wrote to them. That would be the book, the epistle, the letter of Romans. He wrote to them the book of Romans three years prior. Listen to this, Romans 1 verse 7. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Now you've got to understand, these are believers. These are not special believers that are beatified because scripturally to be in Christ, to be a believer in the first place, to be saved, is to be sanctified, right? Now, there's also a walk we can walk, forsaking sin, etc. But to all in Rome who believe in Jesus, that's what it's saying here, called to be saints, grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all and your faith. Is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son. And without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. Making request if by some means, now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. No, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you but was hindered until now that I might have some fruit among you just as among the other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians. Now, barbarians is not like Conan the barbarian. Barbarian is is non-Greek speakers, people who don't speak Greek. There's a word, it's barbar, is what they said in in their language, and, and that's where barbarian comes from, people who don't speak Greek, both to wise and to unwise. Now, wise would be people who are smart, and unwise would be people who are dumb, right? That pretty much means the same thing. For as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For it, in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So Paul is saying here in verse 10, he's like, I prayed to go to Rome, to spend time with you. I, I wanted to be there. I wanted to minister there. I wanted to impart to you. I wanted to preach to the Jews and the Greeks alike, as well as the barbarians, the non-Greek speakers. And so now he said, here, I've tried, and I've asked the Lord if there's any means 
any way, any, any means I can get. He did not know the means of getting to Rome would be by way of shipwreck, by way of frigid waters and cold times and seasons of hunger where they didn't eat for 14 days out in the middle of the the, uh, Mediterranean. I mean, struggle. The struggle was real. He didn't know that getting to Rome was going to be that way. That was the means, though, God used to get him to Rome. His prayers, after delay and delay and delay, or at least what looked like delay after delay after delay, his prayers were being answered. So the question is, were these delays... Or were they just the path that had to be taken? Sometimes, hey, God gets you where you need to go, but he doesn't get you there the way you thought you'd get there, right? Sometimes it's a long way. Sometimes it's the, as the song used to say, the rough side of the mountain, right? I, I climbed the rough side of the mountain to get where I needed to go, but, you know, so be it. He said, I prayed. I had hindrances. I had struggles. But I'm finally showing up. And these people understood what was at stake here. They knew the intensity of this. He's finally got, the Lord has made a way. And so they hoof it 43 miles down to this place, the three taverns, and they meet the great apostle Paul. And he is so encouraged, like, wow. Oh, I knew this day was going to come. Think about his struggle. And finally, he sees them face to face. And the brethren were thrilled, and Paul was thrilled. Verses 16 through 19. Isn't this exciting? Miss Cynthia, this is exciting, isn't it? Oh, verses 16 through 19. Now, when we came to Rome, so here he is walking into Rome. The centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard. But Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldier who guarded him. Now, this centurion, uh, Julian, or Julius, I can't remember his name. He was, it was Julius, he was, he was, uh, you know, responsible for these 200 and some odd uh, uh, prisoners. His life was on the line. He had to get them where they needed to go. And his journey's been pretty tumultuous as well, wouldn't you say? I mean, here, if he loses them, they'll kill him. And so he's been like hanging on, you know, like, stay together, guys. Stay together. Like, say, shipwreck, you know, stay together, guys. Stay. And he finally starts listening to Paul, but he got them where they, and he finally hands them off. You know, he's like, God, no, thank you, Jesus. He hands them off. He's able to deliver them. But notice, Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with a soldier who guarded him. Paul rented a house. It may have been an apartment. And he stayed there two whole years. We see this in verse 30. And while he was in the house, a soldier was chained to him. We see this in verse 20. Most sources say that the soldiers worked in four-hour shifts. So there were many soldiers in this two-year period of time who would have been chained to Paul in his house arrest. I would say it would be fair to assume that There were quite a few, maybe a few. There were some of them, at least, that were converted to Christianity. Because Paul was constantly receiving people into his house or apartment where he would preach and teach and expound upon the word of the living God. 
And when the word is spoken, when the word is proclaimed by somebody who believes it, faith comes. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's just the way it works. You've got to fight not to believe when you hear a believer proclaiming the word. So he's proclaiming it all the time. There's a guy who is a captive audience, right, chained to him. And he's having to listen to this, trying not to pay attention, pulling out his phone, checking Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, trying not to pay attention. But here's Paul over here just chattering away. He was raised from the dead on the third day. You see, he was seated right now. This is what that means, blah, blah, blah. And there had to be some of those soldiers that came to faith. It reminds me of a story I heard when the kids were overseas in seven countries they were in uh, one particular country that you're not supposed to go in and when they were in this particular country they met a guy who was a translator he translated for them this is Lizzie and Brendan he translated for Lizzie and Brendan so they're in a country you're not supposed to be a missionary you're not supposed to be preaching can't even have a bible they're in a, a country over in Asia, Middle East region. And there's a translator that's translating for them. They're meeting with some pastors, meeting with some people. They're doing some gospel ministry. And they, they tell us when they get back, they gave us some coded tweets or, or uh, texts. But when they got back, they kind of told us the story. There was a guy that was translating for them in the mountains of this country. We won't mention because of the podcast and the internet and all. So they're, 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 they're teaching and they're preaching, and they're being, they have a translator, and this translator was, uh, his story was years before he was translating for uh, Dr. David Bernard. Bernard was here not too long ago. And as a matter of fact, he was with us when they were telling us this story. And so Brother Bernard is with us. They're texting us about this guy, and we get the whole story later. But here's the deal. When Bernard was in that same region, he met this guy. That guy was translating for Bernard. Brother Bernard is preaching and teaching. The guy disagrees with what Bernard's saying, starts laughing and making fun of him, but translating and just kind of like, that's ridiculous, blah, 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 and translates it anyway. And then long story short, Bernard has a sit down with the guy and, and converts the guy. And now that guy is Lizzie and Brendan's translator on this trip. And so they're talking to him. So they give me enough info that Bernard's here. We take him out to eat. And I said, hey, do you know this guy? And he's like, oh, yes, I remember him. He was laughing at me in the mountains of such and such and such and such. And we had to sit down and we talked. And you know what? He's powerful now. Lizzie and Brenda's told, told us he's a powerful, powerful witness. Uh, unassuming, you'd never guess it. But he has a, such a voice in that region. Bottom line is this. Paul is with these Roman soldiers, it had to be that some of them were converted. Now, it only took three days for Paul to settle in and meet with, as he would say it, the Jew first and also the Greek. So look at verse 17. It's exciting. You excited? The more excited you are, like the better I do. Oh, and I feel the excitement. Oh, whoo. And it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. So when they had come together, notice, he called the leaders of the Jews together. So when they had come together, he said to them, men and brethren, though I have done nothing against our people 
or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, wanted to let me go. We, we, we went through all of this with Felix and Festus and Agrippa because there was no cause for putting me to death. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar. I'm a Roman citizen. Now that, Not that I had done anything of which to accuse my nation. For, for this reason, therefore, I have called to you to see you and speak with you. Because for the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. He explains to them why he is in Rome. And he explains to them why he is bound with this chain. He says it's all because of the hope of Israel. That would be the Messiah. The seed of the woman, Jesus Christ. He acknowledges that the leading Jews at Jerusalem were against him. He, he makes mention of it. He tells on himself. They were against me. They've been working against me. But I, I love the response of the leaders in Rome. Then they said to him, we neither receive letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren who came reported or spoken any evil of you. Have you ever thought somebody was talking about you across the room, Josh, and you got all paranoid, and you're like, I know they're talking about me. They're looking right my direction. They're talking about me. And you come to find out, they weren't, you weren't even in their conversation. It had nothing to do with you. We get those times, those seasons where we're a little paranoid here and there. They're talking about, I just know that's what they're talking about. And Paul is like that. You know what I mean? He has gone through a lot to get there. And he's like, I know they're talking about me. I know they've gotten word. I know and they've never even heard. They've never even heard of him. So what does that mean? It means the Jews in Jerusalem knew they did not have a case against Paul. So they didn't even pursue these charges. Paul was out of their hair. Now, they did not want to waste valuable resources trying to prosecute this useless case. And so, they never even pursued it. However, while word about Paul and his specific case had not gotten back to the leading Jews of Rome, the message of Jesus most certainly had. Now, we, we've looked at this in our study through Acts. The church in Rome went back close to 30 years at this point. Right after the day of Pentecost, there were Roman people, Jews from Rome in Jerusalem when the day of Pentecost was fully come. They were spirit-filled. And they went back to Rome. And they started churches. There was not... There was not an apostle that went to Rome. Now, there's a lot of tradition, a lot of history uh, that you can find, but you won't find that in scriptures. There was not an apostle in Rome. These believers went back. They took the teaching of the 12, went back to Rome, and started churches. Now, as we looked in our expedition early church, it may have been a handful of churches, maybe five. They may have not numbered more than uh, three to five hundred people. We don't know. We know the Corinthian church had thousands and thousands, but the Roman church doesn't seem to be very massive. You can make the case from the house churches that are mentioned in the end of Rome, uh, the letter to the Romans. It could have been just four or five house churches, 
very small community of, of believers in this city of 2 million people, Rome. And so we, we don't know a lot of details, but we do know this, that about 20 years into the church plan in Rome, there was an emperor who came on the scene that, that, that sent that, that, uh, the expulsion. He got rid of all the Jews, made them leave Rome. So what does that mean? Did the churches disappear? No, they survived because the Roman church was already filled with Jews and Gentiles. So Romans were exiled. I mean, Jews were exiled, but Gentiles maintained until that that expulsion order was lifted. And then they were able to come back. So you have an integrated church early on filled with Jews and Gentiles alike. This is from the Claudius in AD 41 when the Jews were thrown out. The church survived. So you, you have this, this, this group of believers. Paul has heard of their faith all around the world. He's heard about it. And, and look at verse 22. But we desire to hear from you. This is the leading Jews. We desire to hear from you what you think for concerning this sect. We know that it is spoken against everywhere now Christianity is this sect the Greek is translated here or transliterated we say it as heresy heresy this sect this heresy this is what Paul told Felix in Acts 24 after the way they call heresy so I worship the God of my fathers believing all things written in the law and the prophets. So these leading Jews want to know what Paul thinks about this sect or this heresy. It's spoken against everywhere. Well, with Paul, that's like throwing red meat to a lion. He is only too happy to oblige them. Look at verse 23. So when they had appointed him a day, they gave him a whole day, and he took full advantage of it. Many came to him at his lodging, his house, his apartment, to whom he <coughs> explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening. Notice they set aside a day and he explained, testified, persuaded. He made the case. He told the story. He shared the message. And he did so from the Old Testament from the law of Moses and the prophets, and he did so from morning until evening. Remember, this is a Pharisee. This is a man who had memorized most, pretty much all of the Old Testament. So he has this foundation of having memorized every word, and then he meets Jesus, and he's filled with the Spirit, and he's full of revelation. It all it didn't make a lick of sense. He knew all the words, but he didn't get the message in the words. There's people like that. You know, you can memorize the Bible. I grew up in a church where we had Bible reading in riches any day. And it was the bread program, and the goal was to read the Bible through in a year. And that's a noble goal. But understanding what you read is an even more noble goal. Because we can get a certificate year after year after year and be dumb as a box of rocks. It doesn't help. It doesn't fill. It doesn't guide. 
It's a certificate. means nothing. But if you get revelation. So Paul had so much knowledge, but then he got revelation. He understood the meaning and the message. So this man, when they say, we want to know, he's like, let's set aside a day. He was probably up at 3 a.m. praying, Father, help me to speak this word with power. And then they all show up. And it wasn't Sunday. Like, we prepare all week for Sunday. We work hard on Sunday. But you know how Sunday goes, right? We got a five-minute countdown. And then, like, it's off to the races. Boogity, 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 boogity. Meet and greet. Boogity, 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 boogity. It's three songs. Offering and sermon. And the sermon's 37 minutes. And when the sermon's over, you know, we, we have a little bit of prayer. And if we push it a little bit, we're like, oh, doggone it. You know, we're going, the Baptists are going to beat us to canes, you know, like, what are we going to do? Oh, my goodness. You know, like, we, we just got this little window of opportunity. And, and that's not the way it was with Paul. You hungry? You want to know? Give me a day. And he starts from morning and goes till evening. And he's, it's just all Bible study. Flipping through those pages. Let me, let me tell you what that means. Let, let me tell you when it says that uh, for unto us a son is born. And unto us a child is given. The government will be on his shoulders and his name will be. You know, when, when he's going into all of that, he's like, let me tell you, this is Jesus of Nazareth. This goes back to the seed of the woman prophesied in Genesis 3, you know, at the fall. And, and we see with Noah and we see with Enoch and Lamech and Methuselah. And, and we, we see all these cats and we, we understand and wow. And then the children of Israel came into the promised land and, and they went to Sinai. Sinai was a type of of Pentecost, the giving of the law, not written on tablets of stone, but on the fleshy tables of our heart by the Holy Spirit. And he's giving them revelation all day long. It's awesome. And, and, and so, but as, as incredible as Paul was as a Bible teacher, I'm blown away. I'm blown away because, look at verse 24. And some were persuaded by the things which were spoken. And some disbelieved. Now, I'm telling you, I feel like I teach a mean Bible study, man. I used to tell my kids, you know, you poke me, word comes out. I wasn't always like this, right? It was a day and time where I'm like, don't touch me. You know, I was carnal. I didn't care about the word. But there came a day when it came alive to me. Changed my life forever. So I tell my kid, poke me, word comes out. I'm covenant man. Wow, man. It's like, whoo. I, I, I remember driving around one night with Caleb. We went to the Dairy Queen in Bossier City, Louisiana, Jake. Went to the DQ. Went to get a blizzard, right? A Reese, boy, a Reese's blizzard sounds pretty good right now. And so we went to get a, a blizzard, and we're driving a, and, and, and the, 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 the stars were out. It was a beautiful night, and I was just overwhelmed. I'd been studying the Bible. My life was changing dramatically from, uh, I was learning. I, I had memorized so much, but I didn't know what it meant. But I was starting to understand what it meant and how epic of a saga this really is. This is not, this is not flannel graph Jesus. You know, he's white. He's got a nice little pretty beard. He's got a, a, a white robe on and a blue sash. And he's on the flannel graph board. He's just so squeaky clean, you know. He wasn't, it wasn't that Jesus. It was like the true and living God. Like it was coming alive to me. And I looked over at Caleb, who was probably three. And I'm like, son, 
I understand the meaning of life. His eyes, biggest, you know, saucer. He's like, what is it, Daddy? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was overwhelmed. And I've been pursuing this, which apprehended me all those years ago. I'm blown away. And I, I pull out my little Bible study chart. It just keeps us on. And I teach that word, and I, I proclaim, and I, I share as best I can. I learn every time I teach. And, and I'm, I'm blown away by the fact that some are like, wow, that makes sense. The lights come on. And others say, I don't believe that. We're in good company, though. Here is Apostle Paul. And he takes an entire day and unlocks and unleashes, releases this revelation. And it says, some were persuaded and some disbelieved. Really? Wow. Wow. I would say Paul killed the Bible study, just like knocked it out of the park. And yet, some did not believe. Look at verse 24. So when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul had said one word. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers, saying, Go to this people and say, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their ears, hear with, uh, see with their eyes, hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. Now, in closing, I want to go to uh, one time when Jesus quoted this. This is quoted in several places in the Bible. It's from Isaiah, of course, but Matthew thirteen, Jesus. The ultimate teacher was rejected. His teaching was rejected. And he used the same scripture to describe what happened. Verse 14 of Matthew 13. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear, shall not understand. Seeing you will see, not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. And their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. There's a blessing that comes with seeing. There's a blessing that comes with hearing. For assuredly, I say, many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it. And to hear what you hear and did not hear it. In verse 17, the prophets and righteous men desired to see and hear. The Greek word for desired is epithume or epithumeo. It means to set the heart upon. The prophets and righteous men that he speaks of, they set their heart upon seeing and hearing the truth. Why did they not see it then? Because it had not yet been revealed. It was not time. So though their hearts were right, it was not time 
and they could not see it. When Jesus was teaching, though, the truth had been revealed at that time. And if you wanted to see it and you wanted to hear it, you could. But if you did not want to see it or hear it, even though it was revealed, there's no way you would. In other words, if the truth has been revealed, if it's time, it's in the open, and you desire to see it, that desire is the key to you seeing it. Does that make sense? If you do not want to be disturbed by the truth, don't worry about it. You're not going to see it. You don't want it. I've worked in a lot of situations. I worked at a particular denomination. My priest came up to me. We were practicing a song. I've mentioned this before. We got the words messed up. I was on staff. I was, I was, I was paid staff, led worship in this particular church. Episcopal church, no secret. And, and the priest and I were learning a song. The song had the phrase grace and peace. I got confused. I was learning. I didn't know it. And I said grace and truth. And he laughed. He said, that's the difference in our traditions. He said, we're more interested in peace than in truth. Let's be honest. We laughed. It was a little joke, a little, little faux pas of mine, a little self-deprecation on his part. And every Episcopal is not that way per se, but he was just kind of generalizing and he just said, some people are more interested in peace. If you're more interested in peace than truth, don't worry about seeing the truth. You're not going to see it. And that's, what, that's what's happening here. Paul is proclaiming truth, just like Jesus proclaimed truth. It was revealed. It was in the open. It was there for the taking. Buy the truth and sell it now. It's going to cost you. You're going to have to change. You have to exchange your own ideas for the truth. But if you want it, it's there. The key is, have you set your heart upon it? Above all else, Lord, like show me the truth. There is a famine of the word of God in our nation, in our land, in our world. People are more interested in peace than in truth. Give me peace. I don't want conflict. No conflict. Don't offend me. I don't want to offend you. You're okay. I'm okay. We're all okay. The Bible can mean whatever you want it to mean. Don't worry about finding truth if that's your attitude. But if you ever say, if you ever come to the point where you say, I want the truth above all else. Get ready. There's going to be a separation. Some of those brothers, those Jewish brothers, they, they, they grew up together. They served in the temple together. They served when they went back to Jerusalem together. They served in the synagogue together. But they were about to lose fellowship with each other. Over what? The truth. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. I brought a sword. I'll divide homes and houses and people. How is that division uh, ultimately those that say, I set my heart on the truth. And I'm going to buy it. Whew. Amen? Stand with me right now. Truth is time release. There's a time for it to be revealed. That Old Testament didn't make sense to Paul because... For a part of his life, the truth hadn't been revealed. They didn't know Christ, Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth was the Christ, the Messiah. But when that truth became revealed, hey, it's time. If you want your heart on truth, 
on something else. As it was in Paul's day, in Jesus' day, so it is in our day. It's not that Jesus' hearers needed a better teacher. It's not that Paul's hearers needed a better teacher. It's not that the Holy Spirit was not sufficient in revealing truth. It's just the people's heart was not set up on it. So what we'll do is, next week we'll finish this up, because I want to talk a little bit more about this idea of truth and revelation. It's very key, very key to understanding Scripture. And I don't mean spooky-wise, you know, like, God tells us things outside of Scripture. I'm talking about a revelation of the truth in the Scripture. Very biblical concept. Matthew 16, upon this rock I'll build my church. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. My Father has revealed, revealed this truth to you. And then John 16, the Holy Spirit will lead and guide us into all truth. Truth, truth. You want to know where all truth is? It's right in here. Idea. So I want to wrap that up with the idea of revelation. And then I want to talk a little bit about these remaining verses. And then we'll do a quick summary through Acts. Kind of look over the journey that we have taken. And, uh, and then I want to talk to you a little bit about the Acts of the Life Pointers. Right? the acts of the apostles, the acts of the first church. What about you? What about me? There is no benediction in Acts. Like, and that was it. Amen. Because the church continued to this day. That apostolic, to this day. But what about, what stories are going to be written about us? <laughs>